Well, hello there. It's Jim Conley with the Succeed in AMP podcast show. Welcome, everyone, and it's great to hear your voice. It's great to be with you here today. And I know this is like I'm a broken record, but I love this. I love this. I love this. I'm here with the one and the only Roy Schneider. Um, we're doing a show today that's going to be really special. So one of the products in our portfolio that's very near and dear to me is Anatomy and Physiology Revealed. And just a few short months ago, that product formally turned 15 years old. So happy birthday, APR. We're so proud of you and the adult that you're growing up to be. How amazing. So let's go through some of the accolades about Anatomy and Physiology Revealed, just to name a few. Well, it's used by just thousands of students every single day and faculty worldwide. It's used in over 78 countries. It is the first and the only customizable product in the market. So what I'm saying there is you can customize this if you're an instructor and then push your uh, APR out to your students, and then they get a very focused uh, experience in terms of what they're going to do with APR, and that's amazing. Some other things, just to keep going down the line on the awards. It won the Frank Netter Award, which is amazing. We all know who Frank Netter was. It got the MHE Corporate Achievement Award winner and many, many more. But I'm here. The reason why Roy Schneider's on the call here today is he's one of the original creators. And I've known Roy for about 16 years now, and he is a special talent. And, Roy, I'm just so stoked to have you here on the show. So welcome to the show. Hey, Jim, thank you so much. And, you know, it's a pleasure to be a part of this whole uh, extravaganza, this birthday. And I, I couldn't be prouder of this product. And it's been such a successful product for you all. And uh, it's been fantastic. It, it was, I'd say, the, the infancy of our digital birthing uh, endeavor, if you will, although it's all adult uh, <laughs> content. But, again, it was one of our, our first endeavors, and it was an incredible opportunity to work with McGraw-Hill. So thank you very much for having me on the show and celebrating uh, the 15 years of this birthday. All right, so you guys are all in for a special treat. So if you have used Anatomy and Physiology Revealed, if you've heard of Anatomy and Physiology Revealed, if you're possibly thinking about Anatomy and Physiology Revealed, here's what you're going to learn today. You're going to have a conversation with Roy Schneider. We're, I'm going to facilitate that. And you're going to learn about some of the things that are behind the scenes possibly, so how APR came to be, and I'm going to refer to it as APR, so it's Anatomy and Physiology Revealed or APR. You'll get to know some of the backstory, and then you're going to get to meet the, one of the creators here, Roy, and learn a little bit more about him, and we're going to have a blast on this call today. So, Roy, yes, sir. here's what we're going to do. We're going to first get started by mentioning to the crowd here on the phone that's listening in the podcast waves that you work in the Center for Creative Instruction at the University of Toledo. And I want to give a huge shout-out. I love every single one of the people that work in your group. You all have the most amazing state-of-the-art facility that you guys have been so gracious to host me at multiple times. But I would love if you could give the audience a picture of what your center does and then how your, your facilities are set up. Okay, Jim, uh, and, and thank you. A very nice compliment. And, uh, again, we do have a very talented group of people that have pulled a lot of information together and a lot of hard work and dedication that's it made uh, a lot of other products. And, uh, again, uh, part of this, this APR endeavor has just been amazing. Uh, the center has, has transitioned into now uh, we have actually a tri-level center, which is actually a simulation center. And uh, on the third floor is actually a wet cadaver lab, uh, fresh unembalmed cadaver lab. And on the second floor we actually 
actually have EPs, I call them, electronic patients. Uh, these are actually very sophisticated uh, mannequins and simulators that they work with. And then on the first floor where we're located now is uh, the patient uh, more uh, didactic protocol theory. And this is where we just bombard our, our students, our faculty, and, and residents who's ever in that learning experience with a lot of visualization. So the, the whole center came together, CCI came together uh, a few years, well, a number of years ago, and we're really just trying to embellish the, the digital world with uh, how are we going to try to use computing and computing technology to uh, advance medical education. That's, that's kind of the emphasis and, and kind of the start of it where it started. You know it's awesome. So when I was there last, and this is a couple years ago now, um, you guys had the nursing center, you had the electronic patients, and the thing that was just the most amazing thing is they had nurses that were going in, and they were um, you know caring for patients, and then they had a practitioner who was the instructor, proctor type thing, and they would literally have a headset on, and they would be like piping in instructions either to make the, the electronic patient do something different. And of course, you know me, Roy, I was like, let me, give me one of those headphones. Let's mix it up a little bit here. Let's, <laughs> let's throw some wild scenarios in the mix, which of course the uh, instructors there thought was a little bit disruptive. <laughs> you think, Jim? <laughs> but that's okay. I thought, you know, if we're going to test them, let's test them well. For sure. Well, it's, I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful center on the second floor, as you were just mentioned. This is the electronic simulation area. They have an, a, a hub, if you want to call it that. It's a, a circular room. Four bays come off that with uh, one-way mirrors, one-way glass, if you will. And we can look into four different uh, surgical events or operating room, a birthing suite, and then a regular uh, patient room. And they allow simulation to take place in each one of these venues. Each one of the rooms are fully equipped with operating equipment. Um, they they are connected to uh, the, the audible and the computing systems that are inside this hub. And so we can control the, the patient, uh, the simulator, and we can either induce uh, complications or we can simplify things and uh, ease the patient through uh, maybe some of the symptoms that are taking place in there, some of the treatment. But the beauty of it is, is they can induce just about any type of situation they want. And in, again, the birthing suite is amazing because they have a, a lady who actually pushes out a baby. Both mom and baby have vitals. And and again, all the fluids come out with it. Uh, these are stock fluids that they put into those simulators. So you get the amniotic fluid, you, you do get the birth, uh, after birth, and, and uh, some fluids that come along with that. But again, it's to see how the student responds to these situations, making sure that the vitals are correct. And again, uh, we can induce some complications for learning experiences, if you will. Really remarkable. Um, so Roy, in terms of your role at the University of Toledo CCI, what exactly do you do there? Yeah, it's actually it's it's transitioned quite a bit. I used to be you know traditional medical illustration and and uh, did a lot of illustrations for surgical textbook, etc. But now we're more involved with advancing the medical education in the digital world, and we're using a lot of, a little bit more sophisticated uh, equipment to do so. So the first floor is set up with an ice space, which is a five-sided cave environment, 4,000 line resolution on the, on the projection. Uh, it has over 34 projectors that are all working together, coordinated with 18 computers. So we can put in CT, MRI, patient data sets, turn them into a volumetric render, and then with uh, headset on, goggles, we can walk in and actually look inside that patient's body. It's a unique, immersive experience. Uh, it's very uh, dynamic. It's very powerful. And the other thing is we can also put 3, 3D models in there. It could be a model of a protein. It could be a model of uh, neuroanatomy and still have that ability to interact with it and, and, and 
travel around inside of it. So the immersiveness, uh, I guess the science behind it, if you will, Jim, it's not just what you're seeing on that wall and what we're projecting uh, medically-wise. It's the fact you're dealing with motion, movement, and balance in that room, and it's really forcing that student or that viewer to use more uh, brain cells, if you will, to record the event. And when doing that, we're creating tracks in the mind, better chance for building memory, better chance for building recall. In the other space is a curved CAD wall, which is down on the hall. It's a 30-foot wide screen with a 10-foot tall uh, uh, projection, and we can put up multiple presentations at one given time. So what that allows us to do is put together as much robust visual content as possible to orient our students to either a region of anatomy, uh, a section of pathology, or some complications. And we can do it with um, Anatomy Revealed, which we do just about every single day, and we can also put up an animation next to that, or we can put up CTMRI as well in that room to make that correlation. So you see it in a cadaver, you'll see it in maybe uh, an isolated view where we're taking it more of a, of a graphic approach, but then we can also jump it back into real anatomy and give you a CT or MRI. Uh, and then another room, we're now doing 3D printing, so we're doing patient printing. So we will take, again, CT, MRI data sets, uh, segment that information out and turn it into a 3D print uh, model so that that physician can communicate with that patient or take a look at that and handheld the, the, the anatomy or the pathology and do some surgical intervention along that line. It's amazing. And Roy, I love every aspect of your story just personally. I must tell you that I was doing some reconnaissance work yesterday, looking oh. at some of the old YouTube videos where you're talking about your days as an orderly. Oh, boy. And just all of that is so cool, to kind of, at least for me, going back down memory lane. But I was wondering if you don't mind speaking to one thing. So how did you get started as a medical illustrator, just to share that with the audience? Yeah, it, uh, you know, I haven't been in the right place at the right time and probably a little divine intervention with it, Jim. But I... Right out of high school, I started going to the University of Toledo, uh, taking art and a little bit of science, but it really was not geared or planned on where I was going to go. So I was working at the University of Toledo's uh, current center, which was the Medical College of Ohio at the time, and uh, I started out as an orderly. As an orderly, I got to do some patient uh, care, minor, if you will, but I got to interact with patients, see, see people, and, and try to take them to and from their appointments and get a little bit of experience. But next thing you know, I was in the OR as the OR orderly. And in the OR, an opportunity came up where they had a chalkboard back then in those days on the wall, mm -hmm. and I happened to watch a physician go in, a pediatric uh, cardiac surgeon, and he was actually sketching out how he's going to suture a valve inside part of the heart. So uh, being a, you know, I, I think at that time I was not a medical illustrator, but an artist, like, ah, that's not what the heart looks like. I can draw it better than that. So when they went into the room, I erased the board, drew a heart, and I had an artery coming off the, off the board, and I had some blood splattering in the tray. So I'm thinking that was my first creative piece of medical artwork that I did, not knowing that about 10 minutes later, uh, an anesthesiologist came out of the room and said, hey, who the heck did that? And, of course, one of the nurses go, oh, I, I think it was the orderly. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be un unemployed and have to go somewhere <laughs> else for a new job. But the beauty of it was he was looking for an illustrator to illustrate uh, a couple chapters in a textbook that he was doing. And uh, he, he kind of grabbed me by the ear and said, uh, hey, I got an opportunity for you. He goes, I can't pay. And I go, well, that way he said you're going to be a starving artist. So I figured this must be a part of the whole gig, a whole routine. <laughs> so uh, I, did, I did do the illustrations, about 50 drawings. I didn't get paid, but I did get published. And that was the beauty of it, is seeing your name in a textbook. Uh, and it was actually pretty exciting. From there, then, I, I decided to get focused and check out the programs and then went on to the University of Michigan in their medical illustration program. 
Man, what a great story. So there's a lesson there, obviously. Sometimes you have to take a risk. You don't always have to get paid for everything, right? And then, of course, I've had the same experience. When you're published in a book, that's amazing. There's nothing better than that. It is. It's a great feeling to see the final work done, although I've got to go back and redo some of those illustrations nowadays. But at the oh, time, yeah. you know, it's, it was uh, what you could do, and it was fun, and I enjoyed it. And it just, it just made, it gave me a burning desire. I said, I want to get into this profession and figure out where I can go and how I can make this a, a lifelong journey, which I ended up doing. So it was fun. Yeah, and you're amazing at it, too. So if you were to give, like, one quick summary of, like, what is a big challenge that an illustrator will come across, what would that be to share that with the audience? Well, as an illustrator, especially medical illustrator, one, it's known the digital technologies out there, two, known the anatomy, but I think more than else, you're a general practitioner of the human body, so you know a little bit about a lot of the body, that when you're working with a physician and you're working with researchers, they're very dialed in on their specific nature of whatever they do in their profession. So if it's a urologist, they are pretty much aware of the glomerular apparatus and you know, kidney transplantation, whatever it might be. So when they request an illustration from you, I think the hardest part is in making sure that you are up to speed with their lingo and making sure that you're on the same page with them and not be afraid to ask questions and make sure that you, you understand the procedure and the, the protocol that goes in behind uh, surgical events to either, one, remove a kidney or do a kidney transplant if, if that was the nature of the, the procedure. But uh, communication and I think, uh, again, being up to speed with some of that knowledge. Great advice, and I'm going to shift gears right now since we do have a birthday, Anatomy Revealed, Anatomy and Physiology Revealed. The whole project has a really cool story, and of course we know about the birthday here. But when we go back, uh, Roy, to the days of when the Center for Creative Instruction, which I don't know if you guys recall that back then, but you guys were pitching the layering software at Owens Corning, um, you know, with the fiberglass insulation, the Pink Panther. Um, can you tell the audience just quickly that story? I think it's pretty cool and well, something worth sharing. You know, Jim, and that was, um, again, kind of a serendipitous discovery, but it was a pressure discovery, if you will, because we were trying to, again, we're, we're a state university, and you're always trying to find external funding to help promote some of the things that we're doing. And, of course, we were trying to develop a computer center at the time. So we went to, um, I, actually, I, I think we had an invite um, to uh, – I think it was four colleagues from Owens Corning Fiberglass. They wanted to come down and see what our computing center was doing, see if there's any type of a fit for maybe creating a commercial for them. So my boss at the time contacted me. He said, hey, I've got these gentlemen coming in. He says, well, I need you to come up with something creative and uh, wow them a little bit so maybe we can get some work out of them. I said, okay. I said, I work with human anatomy, not human, well, not human, but construction of a wall, et cetera. So what do you want me to do? He goes, I don't know. You're the creative guy. Come up with something. I go, when are they coming down? He goes, tomorrow, 10 o'clock. I go, geez. It's, it's like, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. I said, all right, let me see what I can do. I walked over to a magazine rack, pulled out this magazine. I saw this house, and it was an L-shaped house, and it, it sparked an interest. I'm going, great. I can actually contrast one part of the house as the original uh, construction and then the elf part as maybe a, an addition. So I decided myself, you know what, I could rebuild the walls inside of this and we'll give them the anatomy of the wall in this house where they use their product and the anatomy of the wall on the other side where they went a little bit cheaper and, and maybe we can contrast and have some fun with that. Not knowing what was inside those walls, thank God, my sister worked at Owens Corning Fiberglass. I called her up and said, give me the anatomy of that house from the outside going in with all of your products. And she did, Jim. 
um, amazing. She sent me little snippets of the Pink Panther and all their fiber and, uh, and all the boards that go underneath that, the vapor barrier, the siding, etc. And so I, I, in a matter of a couple hours, I had Photoshop and I'm making all these these little pictures, these sliders and, and not sliders, but uh, layers, and got it all parked into this wall. And then I went to the other side and I said, "What's your competition?" She says, "Anything that's not pink is is a competition." So I made yellow, which is another fiberglass company that's in Toledo as well. That we got those in there. So they came down the next day, and I had each one of these layers on a each one of these images on a separate layer. So all I did is make the eraser because we didn't have sliders at the time. We didn't have opacity sliders that work like they do now in APR. And all I would do is just drag that eraser across that layer. And it looked like I was sliding something, but all I was doing is just erasing that layer off. And I did it very slowly, and it ghosted or turned it semi-transparent. And they could look through that wall and see the underlying anatomy of the house. And so we did that in progression until we got down to the, the pink insulation. And then from there, I removed that, and I zoomed in. I built in a little vapor or uh, a condensation uh, sampling in there, which was, you know, had 0% condensation, and there was no mold, and we had an, an R value of 22. So I did the same thing on the other side, and of course, had inferior numbers and showed some, some bad things going on in that wall. And the next thing I know, these guys are getting excited, and then one gentleman was yelling out some explicatives, and I said, gentlemen, it, it, it's a demonstration. Don't get too excited here. And I said, we build these things in there. So we're thinking it went well. They, they congratulated us. Very good. Nice work, yada, yada, yada. And we're hoping we get some work out of it. Well, nothing ever came about. So that weekend, I go home, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I can show the anatomy of a wall, why can't I show the anatomy of a human being? Honest to goodness, that, that following Monday, that next Monday was coming up, I went, grabbed the camera, went to our cadaver lab where our anatomists were down, and they had uh, a gentleman that was doing a pro section on a face. So a pro section is just a beautiful, nice, detailed dissection and a lateral view of this face. And so I went in there and looked at it, and I said, could you put that skin back? So they put the skin back over. I photographed the face. They peeled it back. I photographed all this beautiful musculature that was sitting in there. And then I ran back to my office because I know I had a dry skull specimen sitting in there. And all I had to do is just critically align that anatomy and match it to that skull. Well, big problem. I had a male cadaver, and I had a female skull. So I had, to, I had to do some maximal facial reconstruction with Photoshop and reduce some of the, the size of the muscle and, and pull back part of the skin, et cetera, to fit it all on that skull and make sure it was all in proper alignment. So we did that. And again, the sliders or the opacity sliders they had in Photoshop at that time were very crude. And if you were to slide that opacity slider, it would take strips of the screen, about every, I don't know, 50 or 75 pixels, and would turn it 10% you know, transparent, and it would go down the screen. It was crude. It was ugly. There was no sex appeal or magic to it. So we had a, a gentleman in, in our area that he just came out of Purdue. I said, Bart, can't you write like a, an algorithm or something so that when you slide this thing across, the whole screen melts off at the same time continuously, not all these bands? And sure enough, Jim, he came back, and it was two hours later, and he was like this, and he pulled that layer across, and that skin turned semi-transparent. I looked right to you and saw the musculature, and I said, by golly, I think we've got something here. So and then we went down to the skull, and we could, then we could turn the muscle off and just do skin and skull. So we had that flexibility, not just seeing superficial, but seeing deep and also seeing intermediate. And that's what kind of spurned on this whole idea about, hey, man, we could do this as a digital dissection software. We just had to find somebody who was interested in it. <laughs> So that's how we got started with it. 
I was going to say, dun, 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 yeah. and we found somebody who was interested in it. Yes, we did. And then the the rest is history. Now, going back to that history, uh, some of the things that the folks in the audience may not know is when Roy and his team put together the first product, it was anatomy revealed, so it didn't have the physiology, and it was a regionally based product. And again, like I mentioned, it just focused on, you know, just the head alone. I remember when I reviewed it myself, you know, you had some really cool examples like Bell's palsy. Um, when you look back on that, like we asked you guys to take that regional product and then unwind it and then make it more of a systems-based approach, what were some of the uh, challenges or how did you guys approach that? Well, there's a bit of grumbling you may have suspect because the anatomists are so used to doing a, a regional approach as opposed to a systemic approach. But the beauty of it was is we went back to you and we could – take our time to plan those dissections a little bit, uh, I guess we could plan them and orchestrate them a little bit better so we could make sure that we're isolating just vasculature, we'd go after that vasculature, if it's a musculature, then we focus on that musculature. And it really allowed us to eliminate some extraneous material, but at the same time, we also had to plan that if we're doing vasculature, we had to be sure we weren't destroying too much of the deeper layers and, and other structures that were down deeper along that line. And so it was really kind of um, advantageous for we had myself and then Tanya, who's another medical illustrator, joined us. And we got to sit with the anatomist and kind of coordinate it and walk them through how we wanted to see things dissected. And then we photographed them at certain intervals. And sometimes we'd have to rebuild some of those photographs, uh, more layers than what you see in, in the final product. So there could have been multiple layers that we ended up turning into one layer. That is how we had to stack that anatomy and make sure we had continuity of vasculature or structures or skeletal, et cetera. Then we had to make a lot of decisions. Are we going to remove this or are we going to leave it in there? And so there was a lot of extra photography that, that took place we thought maybe we, we don't want to lose this, these opportunities, and so we, we, we salvaged quite a bit of it. But it was a great team approach, and uh, it was a lot of work, but, uh, again, the, the results were amazing. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, which certainly was. And, you know, this milestone that we have of 15 years is a pretty big one. If I were to ask you to maybe give me one or two of your favorite memories of working on this project over the years, what would they be? Oh, gosh, I think, one, the camaraderie of uh, not just working with our team, but working with you guys as well. Uh, I mean, McGraw-Hill, uh, it was exciting to see you guys get excited, and that just flipped the light back on for us. We got excited. Uh, again, it was hard pitch to try to sell this to the institution, uh, and it probably wouldn't have made it unless you guys contacted us and, and it came, became a part of it and said, this is something that's worth value and, and worth. And when we found out about that and we had a chance really – be the first ones to put this thing together as a, as a virtual dissection software program. It was extremely exciting, and everybody bought into the concept. And again, this is a big team, and so you've got software engineers, you've got some programmers, you also have some graphic designers. As medical illustrators, there's no, there's no problem about us getting excited. We're, we're geeked up. This is our business. This is what we do. The anatomists, they're all fired up. But you had to have buy-in from the team. And once you had that buy-in and they all believed in what we were doing, then you even started to see people who are non-medically oriented make contributions to the product. Smart way of engineering. How would you function do functionality? If you click on this button, where do we go from here? So those are the things behind this scene that made it exciting, made it challenging, but also made it very successful. Absolutely. And I think when I remember back to the early days and then even now, 
the partnership between the University of Toledo, your entire team, our team here at McGraw-Hill, it's been really held up as an example of how two very diverse teams with one major critical goal of trying to educate students on the awesome human body, how we really came together in over 15 years, we've gotten better and better every single year, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Jim, the revisions have been great, and the camaraderie and the, the constant feedback and the going back and forth with uh, yourself and the corporation, it's just been amazing. And again, it, it was just, uh, I think, a fantastic fit. We had all this information sitting here. We just didn't know what to do with it. And you guys were the conduit that led to everything, opening up and coming up with an incredible product. So we, we couldn't be more proud of, of, of the relationship and, again, uh, the success you've developed this product to be. So it's been great. Yeah, it's been really a market leader ever since it got released. And I always like to say the competitive distance that we have with with other software that's out there has been significant, and our goal is to keep making the product better and better. So thanks to you, what you guys do too, and it's just been a lot of fun. Fantastic. Okay, so if we go back inside the product a little bit, so some of the dissections were touched up, and you guys had to change them a little bit. Uh, can you give maybe one example? I know I've talked about scoliosis. That was the one that I remember. But if you want to share any of the other ones real fast, uh, what would be an example and why did you have to do it? Uh, that's pretty funny, Jim, because there's a, there's a lot of those that have occurred. Again, when you um, are accessing, have access to a cadaver, there's no window of opportunity to look inside and see what may be there or not be there. You got to remember, this is an older group of cadavers that donate their body. So when we were working on the the uh, female reproductive system, I think we went inside and we we're going to do something with the vaginal area, but uh, this gal had already had a hysterectomy, so there was there's no uterus there, so we had to start over. So we had to get another cadaver, and we found this in multiple, uh, I guess, multiple cadavers where things just weren't where they're supposed to be, or we had some anomalies that came along. But the scoliosis one was extremely uh, that you had mentioned uh, was a very tough one because back anatomy, uh, we peeled the skin off of this gentleman and, and dissected it away, and we found out that he is missing one entire huge muscle, which is the tismus dorsi, which is a big muscle. And we also found he had curvature of the spine, which really wasn't that noticeable when he was on the table. So, again, Tanya, had, she got stuck with the uh, – well, I gave it to the young person and said, here, you fix the spine. So <laughs> she had to go in there and vertebra by vertebra rotate build and reconstruct and get that spine to align, and then we go back in and put a latissimus dorsi in there that looked like it was real. The other one was completely scarred over and adipose tissue, so uh, a huge challenge, but uh, you had to have it, and just some of the surprises that you, you run into um, unexpectedly because, again, this is a cadaver, and, and um, this older group, some have had surgery, some have not, so... It's un unbelievable when you really get into that. And I know another area that's somewhat controversial is we've got an imaging section where you have x-rays and different uh, medical scans and things like that. My favorite uh, to show anyway is the x-rays of the skull where you can show the pins and different things like that. How did you process those images and what were some of the clinical challenges that you had to take into account for privacy reasons? Well, what's really nice about it is on some of these, these x-rays are standard x-rays, so we could take that patient information without compromise uh, to any of the HIPAA violations, et cetera. And we're, we're all HIPAA trained, and, and we're, we're, we're staying in compliance with that. It is, you know, that's, a, that's a critical part of what we do here. But um, getting that information, putting it on the screen, as long as it was a standard um, x-ray, there, there's no, 
unique features that you know somebody could say in the community, hey, that's that's Uncle Joey up there on the screen. Uh, we were okay, but if there was facial anatomy, uh, as you see on some of these, where we're looking at skin, well, not to gross out our audience here, but this is kind of a modern modernized Frankenstein shop, if you will. I did not just take one face. I would take the nose and the eyes from maybe one particular cadaver, photograph another lateral view, and maybe take the hairline or the uh, part of the head and the posterior aspect of it. And then we may grab a jaw and an ear from another cadaver and then photo retouch it and Photoshop it so we create a unique human so nobody could under, you know, they couldn't identify it if they was to come up on the screen. And that was one of our worst fears if we did put a cadaver, just an original cadaver view up there. And maybe we have a grandchild that's grown up that's now in medical school and sees their grandfather or grandparent up there, grandmother up there. That could be quite shocking, and, and that would be very controversial. So, again, we, we went to extensive, uh, I guess, measures to make sure we hide the identity if it was a facial feature of recognition that somebody could, uh, again, recognize. And then, again, if it's, if it's a generic X-ray or CT that we put in there, we were pretty much safe with that. Yeah, that's awesome. And if I were to ask you, like, what is your favorite dissection in the entire product, what would it be? Oh, my gosh, there's, there's a lot of them. Um, Probably the toughest question you'll get all day. I guess I like I like the thorax. Um, I think the thorax is kind of neat because there's so much information there, and there's a lot of different structures and 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 plumbing that's taking place at the same time. So for me, that's kind of nice to be able to dive in it. And there's a lot of interest in our heart. So it's one region that most people can resonate with as they're learning. You can show them what their heart looks like, show them what those lungs look like, see the pericardium, and look at the ribs and the musculature so quickly, so easily that uh, it gets their attention, and it's very easy to orient them to not just what they're seeing on the screen, but what's inside their body. Awesome. Now, if I were to ask you, how do you think this product would help the average student today, what would you tell them? Oh, no problem at all. We use this product, honestly, every day with our students that are in here. It is so easy to use. The functionality is quick. It's easy. <clears throat> it is such um, a, uh, I want to say, the, the, a repository of information. There's over 14,000 tag structures. So you just, you can't look that up as quick as you can in this program when you can just type in the structure and boom, it pops up on the screen. And not just can you get that structure, but you can get other views, other relationship uh, views of that, which is, it's, now it's huge, Jim. I mean, other times you're trying to dig through a, a paper manuscript, you don't find those views, you're, you can't see it. So I think McGraw-Hill has gone above and beyond trying to make sure we see some of these views you wouldn't normally see and also give you access to other variations of that. The other thing is, is the instant printout of the information, the definition of that structure, and the other things that relate to that, not just the de definition, but circulation supplied to that structure or innervation or functionality. Uh, that's so fast and so valuable. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just that quick and that easy to use, and we do use it almost every single day here. Roy, do you have a favorite feature of APR? Oh, yeah, my favorite feature is the ghosting of it, I think. Uh, just the fact that we can turn things semi-transparent and look through that body. And it's almost like having x-ray vision, and that was the, the original onset of it, Jim, is to have this ability not just to see, you know, structure, but structural relationships. And we can do that, again, by adjusting that slider. And then even down deep, we can turn on a structure, highlight that structure, and put skin or superficial layers above that and still be able to make out where that structure is. 
And again, in medicine, that's critical. It's not just structure, but structural relationship. If you make an improper ligation, Jim, that usually leads to litigation. We do have a law school on this campus. We want to keep those guys over on the other side of the campus and, and make sure we're doing things <laughs> properly. So, oh, definitely. Amen. Get them out of there. Yeah. One of my favorite um, favorite things to show and talk about is the hyoid bone. Okay. And I always joke, you know, in the lab, most labs, you visit them all over the country, uh, any of the instructors will tell you that that's the bone that gets lost. You know, often they'll have those uh, skeletal mo those skeletal models anyway, and they'll have them attached by fishing line, and then you know, the fishing line <laughs> breaks apart, or you get a creative student that just, like, pops that off, and then next thing you know, they're using the hyoid bone as a keychain. But at least in APR, what you can do is you can see that real fast. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know uh, what? see it, where it, it is in relation to the body too. It's yeah, great. It, it does have a lot of function to it. it. It is a key component in in that neck region. If you don't have that, you got a lot of problems. So, but I know we even have a couple of those skeletal uh, models here where they've got some uh, really uh, interesting wire sculptures that are supporting that thing, and they think it's in the proper location, but <laughs> they get bent, they get pushed, they get shoved on, and that's not quite right where it usually sits. But unfortunately, we've worked those details out in the program. It's awesome. And, and APR, like I was mentioning, we're 15 years old. It's a critical project in the world of anatomy and physiology education. And I know you have a ton of people there at the Center for Creative Instruction who've worked on this over the number of years. And I would love to have, obviously, every single one of them that, on the podcast if we could. But, um, you know, it's hard because there's so many uh, limitations, time, schedule, and just the format. Um, but you're representing them today, so I know they're all going to be listening to this if, after we publish it. But is there something that you want to say to them to give them a quick shout-out? Yeah, big, a big hug and a kiss to all of them. Uh, I mean, it, it's fantastic, the, the fact, again, that they, they had the buy-in on this product, the fact that uh, when, you're, when you're putting the first conceptions of this work together, it's a lot of storyboarding, it's a lot of, of, of ideas and, and possibilities with no resolve as of yet. So it takes a complete team unit to buy into it and then to really believe that what they're going to turn out is going to be beneficial and helpful and, and see the success before it's even successful. And that, again, that's just a credit to the fact that this is a great team that uh, they work together. Um, I, I, we could not have pulled this off without having this type of a dynamic team. Uh, again, the programmers, uh, designers, graphic designers, the leadership in there, the, the anatomists, et cetera, as well as a couple of medical illustrators to, to pull this thing off. So my um, thank you to them for their dedication, their time, and their intelligence to, to build and help build this product. Absolutely, and that goes uh, from Roy to you guys and from us to you as well. It's been amazing, and I'd also like to thank all the folks here on our side, executive support that we've had for this product over a long time, and then every team member uh, that I can possibly imagine that's worked on this has been awesome. Um, one last question, Roy. So this is going to be one I probably should have asked you before the last one, but that's okay. Um, I know often we get asked here, what is the role of 3D, so three-dimensional imagery, in the APR product um, as you see it going forward? Well, that's only – that whole aspect of 3D is just amazing. Again, it's another tool. It's another visualization, uh, a tool that we can use to, to really orient the student. Uh, it's going to be an asset. It's, it's another building block to the APR. It's one thing to be able to see these things in a 2D plane and almost 3D with what we're doing with the ghosting, but 3D gives you a little chance to rotate it, revolve it, spin it. 
But the beauty of it is, Jim, it's not a model we'd probably be using, but we'll probably be using real CT data that we segmented out and then incorporate that into the product and embellish and support the information they're seeing. So another tool, another opportunity to, to learn, to visually learn, and actually orient that student very quickly, very succinctly. And again, supporting it with the APR, uh, you need more information, you click on that structure, and again, you get all the background information about that. So 3D is going to have a, a vital role, and I, I think going to really uh, enhance this product even more. Love it. And, Roy, we're going to do something fun. Occasionally I'll do this on these shows. Uh, it's been a while since I've done it, but we'll do a little Easter egg for the group. Okay. If you're listening to this today and you're either an instructor, uh, student, or anybody else in the world and you're using Anatomy and Physiology Revealed or you have access to it, for the first three people that send me an image, a screenshot, or something of your favorite dissection, Send that to james.connely at mheducation.com. We've got a gift card that we'll send you guys um, in return for that. It'd be just kind of a good way for us to see who's listening out there and then also what your favorite feature or dissection, animation, whatever it is in APR. And that would really, you know, tickle us. And then the other thing, too, I want to mention is if you have any feedback on how we can make this awesome product better, we're all ears. So reach out to me to that email address or any one of my team members that you know, and we'll make sure that we get you involved in that. And, Roy, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I know that you're um, kind of tight on time today. You have a lot to do, so I want to be respectful of that. But I just want to personally thank you for all the support and the guidance that you have provided um, to me personally over the years with Anatomy and Physiology Revealed, to the rest of our team, and then also to the field of education. You are an amazing individual, and it goes without saying you are the absolute best, and I just want to thank you for that. Uh, Jim, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And again, it's, it's been fantastic time, fantastic story, and uh, I just uh, can't uh, – I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Fifteen years, it's beautiful, wonderful. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. The it's a big milestone, and uh, again, we're going to wrap the show up here. So this is Jim Conley signing off for this edition of Succeed in AP. Happy birthday, Anatomy and Physiology Revealed. We are proud of you. We're looking forward to many, many more years with you. Um, and then if you did like this show, if you did like this show, and that's what I'm going to say, if you did, of course, uh, please leave us a review if you don't mind. Um, if you're consuming this on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, please give us a rating. Four or five would do. That will really help us. If you're kind enough, you can also leave a, a written review on there. Uh, that's something that helps us get discovered on all those podcast players. And once again, we're just very gracious and grateful for all of you listening today. And we'll see you next week on an episode of Succeed in AMP. Jim Kindly signing off. Jim Kindly signing off. And, Roy, you have a good rest of your day, all right? Thanks a lot, Jim. Have a good one. Take care now. You bet. Have a good day. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 